Hola, welcome to the Latina, Lesbi y Gay podcast, where we capture the stories of the lives of lesbian, bisexual, and queer Latinas. Let me preface this episode by saying that this interview was recorded in Brooklyn, New York, out of the podcast studio at the Wing and Dumbo. I spent a week in New York City during the summer of 2018 working on this podcast as a whole and had the opportunity to interview Ramona Ortega. Ramona Ortega is the founder and CEO of My Money, My Future, a mission-driven financial tech company that combines tailored content and simple-to-use tools to help millennials, particularly young women and minorities, manage their money with confidence. She's also an entrepreneur in residence at Oslo and is a serial entrepreneur with a decade of leadership in the public and private sectors. Prior to leading My Money, My Future, Ortega was a corporate securities attorney in New York. She also founded a boutique research consulting firm and a New York-based international nonprofit, and she spent over a decade working on policy initiatives involving economic inequality and human rights. Ortega has a BA from the University of California, Los Angeles, and a JD from Fordham University School of Law, and she's my best friend of over 24 years since I met her at UCLA. I invited her to have some conversations about money and queer Latinas because money is an issue that impacts Latina lesbian relationships in meaningful ways. Have you ever been in a relationship where you bear the financial burden? I've heard many stories about how money impacts lesbian relationships and it worries me for my amigas and my community. How do we protect our hearts and our bank accounts when we're looking for love? I have a dear friend who is a masculine center androgynous butch who isn't dating right now because she tends to date fans who expect her to pay for everything when they're together. She says that she has no idea how she gets involved with these women of this mindset but repeatedly finds herself in this dynamic. My other friend gave her ex-girlfriend $2,000 to pay for the first and last month's rent on her new apartment after they broke up. She still loved her ex very much and was worried about her well-being so she took the money from her credit card and gave it to her. Her ex then took this money, moved back in with her ex-roommates, and bought herself a new scooter to ride around Long Beach. My friend was furious because the money was for a new apartment, not a new scooter, and she's still paying it back two years later while her ex enjoys a new scooter in Long Beach. I know another mujer whose partner convinced her to sell their house in Riverside to move into her partner's mother's living room to save money for a bigger home. Four years later, they're, they're still staying in that living room and spent all their original home savings on various crises, taking care of the mother-in-law and paying the rent. They have nothing left from the original home and are starting over. I ask myself, why do we do this for women that we love or claim to love us? And how do we protect our hard-earned money when we do fall in love? The more responsible or educated of a pair usually tends to earn more money than their girlfriend and usually bears a financial burden in a relationship. In this episode, we talk about money in relationships, the importance of having money conversations while dating, money and the gender pay gap for Latinas, some tips for engaging in money dates to protect yourself, and some community interventions around supporting Latina women-owned businesses and collaborating with each other. I always encourage the women in my meetup to support each other's lesbian-owned businesses and to hire from among us. This is the first of several conversations about money that we're going to have, so stay plugged in with us around this topic. This is your host, Veronica, and I want to welcome Ramona Ortega to our podcast. Ramona, can, can you tell us a little bit about um, the work that you do? 
Absolutely. First of all, thank you for having me on the show. Super excited to be talking about money to a community that I'm, I'm part of and that I love dearly, and it's really important. Um, so I'm the founder of My Money, My Future. We are a fintech, which is financial tech services company. Um, we built a web platform um, that provides personal finance and financial guidance mm -hmm. to millennials, um, in particular millennials of color, um, including the LGBT community. Um, so what we are trying to do is really provide the tools and resources and information people need um, to make better financial decisions. So, um, which is very important for communities of color. And um, but why was this issue important for you? And what what, what led you to to um, to get into this work? Absolutely, I think um, you know. So essentially, our mission is to help solve the racial wealth gap. I grew up in Northern California, third generation, Mexican-American, um, and I grew up um, around massive sort of wealth inequality. So it was, you know, uh -huh. brown people had no money, essentially, and white people had a lot of money. And I knew very early on um, that it wasn't because our community didn't work hard. Right. And so, <coughs> Sorry. <clears throat> So I grew up around a lot of, um, sort of wealth inequality in the Napa Valley, and I knew that our communities worked just as hard as everyone else. Uh, so I was perplexed why we were often not living the same lifestyles. Right? We didn't have right. the new houses. We didn't have the new cars. Mm -hmm. um, the kids in our neighborhood would always talk about being broke, or there was kind of broken families, and a lot of that had to do with poverty. And so I grew up very aware of that, um, that kind of that inequality, and wanted to figure out how to make a difference in that. And I think my first steps um, to do that was sort of being active and um, as an advocate in community organizations. I worked a lot on um, Prop Two Hundred Nine and, and affirmative action um, when I was in undergrad, and then later on ended up doing international human rights work where it was focused on the intersections of race um, and gender um, equality and looking at the different ways that poverty affected us across different indicators, mm -hmm. right? Mental health, criminal justice, housing, you name it, poverty intersects with those. Right, and that, that, that's very interesting that you were very insightful about using that emotion of confusion to be able to guide your work because you there was something about um, about this that you were confused about because we're a very hardworking community. That's right. So how come? What? Where? Where, where was that gap? And um, yeah, I mean that's interesting. I didn't even think about it in that context of being um, confused. <laughs> but I think that I've always been curious, right? And so oh, I love that word. And for uh -huh, me, yeah. it was about this doesn't make any sense. It doesn't. Right, and yeah, so I think right. that's often for people for people that are curious or don't like being confused. And I think that sort of essentially, I was like, wait, I want an answer to this. This doesn't make sense. It doesn't make, because we are a hardworking community. We're very hardworking, and we're, we're entrepreneurial. We 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 value perseverance, ganas, grit. We have this within us, and we bring this within our within our own culture. So that's right. That's where, right. where is the missing link? Right. right, and that's essentially what I was asking myself. And I look around. I mean, I remember being very young, going to um, you know my 
uh, schoolmates' homes who who are white or who had more money, and I would think like I look around and be like, wow, it, they felt it felt so, like they had so much money. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I remember being in Christmas, you know, like there was just massive amounts of presents under the tree, and then my husband was very clear, like you know, you got one thing. If that, you know, kind of, and, and you know, my mom's basically like, what do you want? Like, what, name the one thing that you, you know, would like. And, and you know, not never having a, a new car, you know, I remember being embarrassed. My dad had a 57 Chevy and be like, oh, no, drop me down, drop me off down the street. And those things bothered me, though, too, right? That there was, sure, yeah. like, why is this? I mean, and both my parents, by the way, I mean, even though my mom grew up as a farm worker and so did my dad's family, they later on ended up both getting sort of, you know, uh, strong blue collar jobs working at Mare Island. Um, so, I mean, they weren't broke and it wasn't because they didn't speak English and it wasn't because they weren't a, they weren't a citizen, right? So it was something else. It was something else. Because and that was really, I think, that, that point where I was like, it's not these other things. It's something else. It's structural. Absolutely. And I didn't have the language for that at that point. But And, and that, that, that's also interesting that you grew up with this juxtaposition of wealth and, 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 and poverty. I'm, I grew up in East L.A., so I didn't really grow up a lot. Well, I didn't grow up around wealth. I, I didn't see it. I, I, I didn't I, I didn't have that comparison, although we knew it was there. Mm -hmm. So we were we felt wealthy in our own ways. But once you start growing up, you start noticing that, that we... We um we didn't have certain things so um so that issue about money in my own in my own life wasn't such a um, I wasn't very curious about it I should have been somebody should have been talking to me about this uh, in, in 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 elementary school in, in in middle school I should have known how to handle handle money yeah no I mean one of our mottos for the company is or sort of the reason that we exist is that if you don't learn about money at home, you don't learn it in school, then you don't learn it. And so essentially you learn it by making the kind of mistakes, which was my own story. I mean, I could have been a millionaire by now. I've been working since I was like 13, like literally working on the books since I was 13. Um, you know, I've had several opportunities to build my 401k, but I mean, I can't tell you the mistakes that I made. Right. right, because and I didn't know, and I was embarrassed to ask. Yeah, and and it's not that we don't learn about money because we do learn about budgeting. I mean, try but uh, the Mexican true. household budget. <laughs> we know how to budget. We know how to we know how to save, but right. we don't know how, we we don't have the information, uh, the experience, that social capital that shows us how to invest. Correct, or to build wealth, right? To build wealth, right? And and one of the reasons that I started the company when I did was that it was right after the um, the housing crisis, mortgage crisis, and um, the data that was coming out showed very clearly that Black and Latino families lost almost fifty percent of their net wealth, like across the country. Wow, because their wealth was tied up into property. And real estate, right? So, so they they invested in what they knew, right? And up to this point, black and brown families they wanted to buy a house, to buy a house, because that was sort of the only way you build wealth, right? That's what they knew, mm -hmm. and so that's what you did. And what happened was that they didn't diversify, right? So they're not like what we call their portfolio diversification. So all their money was in a house. It wasn't some of it in the stock market, some of it in the house. So. In the recovery, white families 
came back. They bounced back. They bounced back because yeah. a lot of their their um, investments were in the stock market, which is doing very well now. So, so that was another impetus for me, right? Because it shouldn't be this way. People spend a lot. There's so many dollars, hardworking dollars that were put into put into buying those properties that people will never recover from. And and what 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 is the psychological impact for that? It, and for families, for uh, what's what's the financial impact that? You know, I, I mean, being able to bounce back. Right. I mean, there's. It, like, I can't even. I mean, I reflect on my life every day and how financial decisions and the financial opportunity cost. And I think this is very important for us to start talking about. Financial opportunity cost. Exactly. It's what we didn't have the opportunity to do or things that we lost. So, for example, my parents ended up um, buying a property in Napa, which now probably would have been worth a million dollars just because of property values. When my parents divorced, um, it was ugly, like most families that we come from. It was, you know, it was kind of a disaster. Um, my parents ended up losing the house, right? So the only asset that we ever had was lost, and it was never regained. So, you know, just if you think about that, right? So the fact that I don't own property now, that there was nothing to leverage if I wanted to buy property. I mean, there's so many repercussions, right, of that decision. And it wasn't really a decision, and I think this is really important for our communities. We make financial decisions without actually being conscious that it's a decision that we're making. We, we just kind of um, snowball into a, a, a situation, and um, I think we, I think that might happen because we're not prepared. We don't have a, 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 this uh, financial liter- literacy, financial knowledge, the social capital to be able to, to and foresight. Engage. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and foresight. So. Right. No, this is this is. I mean, I think if any, if we do anything right with my money, my future as a business, um, it's about creating that environment so people acknowledge that these are decisions that every day we're making these like small decisions that have an impact in our life. Um, one of the things that we like to talk about is not allowing an emergency to become a crisis, because that's what happens, right? Uh-huh. It's something that, because all of us are going to face things that come up. Stress happens. Yeah, uh, stress emergencies happens. Emergencies right. happen. We need to be ready for them. And so what, here's a finance. Insurance is a financial tool that allows you to become more resilient to those uh, crises. And this is why I wanted to, I wanted to talk to you. Um, I, w- I wanted you to, to be a guest on our show because I want Latina, lesbian, and queer women to be ready. Mm-hmm. Lesbians are getting married. They're, they are forming families, and they need to 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 uh, be able to um, enter into these same-sex relationships uh, and be financially and legally prepared for emergencies. Correct, and they need to prepare for their 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 families. Look, mm-hmm. marriage is a financial contract. It's one of the first things that our tax um, uh, my tax professor taught us in, in law school. It's a financial contract. Um, you are financially responsible now for the other person, um, means their debt mm-hmm. and obligations are now yours, um, right? Which wow. is something yeah. we don't talk about very often. Um, and if you're having children, there's an additional layer of financial obligation 
um, and planning that needs to happen. And I mean, I think about, you know, even families that, for example, who may not uh, come from a supportive environment. So you're now in a situation where you get married and, you know, in a state where it's, it's lawful, you know, you've got some protections. But if your partner gets sick, right, who has um, sort of the ability to determine their welfare and health care, right? So making sure all of those those kinds of documents, and even though they're not financial per se, those writers, those that authority to access certain accounts, to make health decisions. It, it, it may be complicated by the fact that, and that um, whether or not you're mar married or not, you have the power of attorney for, for that situation. And... Um, I, I even thought of this when my, my own father was passing last year and he, uh, he passed away. I had the, I had a, the financial uh, um, I had the financial support. I was ready and I had the power of attorney because I didn't really have any and I didn't really have any conflict. So it made the grieving process a whole, a whole lot more um, positive in a That's way. Right. Yeah. I, I, That's I, right. I didn't I didn't fall apart with that. Now with uh, with families, I can you add uh, uh, with Latina lesbian families, you add the intersections of, of race, gender, sexuality, um, religion. Sure, that, that, that's and, a complicated and certain, and certain, there. And certain inequalities. Uh, let's be let's be very honest. You know, I'm a, I'm a fem, fem Latina, you know, who can pass, mm -hmm. right? So my job security, for example, is probably going to be a lot higher than someone who's um, gender non-conforming, who's right. transgender, right. Um, there's a lot more risk. Um, you're going to have a lot harder time climbing a corporate ladder, for example. Um, so I think that those are really important in terms of how do you, you know, build financial security in a um, family that isn't going to have the same kinds of inputs, right? There might be, um, you know, conflict around money and how you um, how you sort of plan for the future, right? And those are financial decisions. So if, for example, there is kind of, you know, an imbalance, then you need to start thinking about, okay, but how do we use this from a tax structure mm -hmm. uh, perspective so that we can benefit? And when you say imbalance, what, what do you mean? I, I have an idea of what you're talking about, but... Well, I, like I said, uh, you know, as... If I'm in a relationship with someone who's um, gender non-conforming or transgender, who may have a harder time seeking and, and, and finding employment or um, employment at a certain level of income, I'm going to be the one that's probably paying a lot more. Right. right because so more of my income is going to be used for the day-to-day -to, -day to cover the expenses, right? Mm -hmm. And so how do you plan out, right, buying a house or... Um, credit. I mean, you're going to have to have a lot more harder conversations about budgeting, about planning for the future, about whose retirement you're putting money into. See, because uh, Latina lesbians need to protect themselves in relation. Latinas need to protect themselves. Period. Correct. But in, in in these relationships where there's a financial and educational imbalance, um, there 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 is there may be a whole lot of love, but you still need to to plan for the future. Uh, some some studies report that lesbians are twice as likely to get a divorce than, than gay men because women are more likely to initiate a divorce. 
So um, lesbians are getting married, right? But they're also not afraid to get a divorce, and we're seeing <laughs> that. We're, we're we're finally we're really seeing these numbers start coming out, sure. and you, the chances are you're twice as likely to get a divorce. So how yeah. do you pre- you have to be having money conversations you with need to your talk partner before mm-hmm. you even think about marriage. And I'm very serious about this. I mean, even in a, I mean, maybe not right when you're dating, but even then, I mean, how many of us have spent a lot of money on dating and looking back going, oh, man, I really shouldn't have spent that much because money. Because the red flags were there. Because the red flags were there yeah. and it, you know, just doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. I could have been putting money, squirreling money away into my savings or, you know, there's a, a number of things that I could have been doing with that money that I probably wasted. Um, but on a serious note, if, if you are in a long-term relationship, now is the time. And have those money discussions, not when you're stressed. Like, make a money date. Let's yeah. sit down and say, hey, what are your goals? For example, a lot of Latino lesbians... <coughs> for example, a lot of Latino lesbians are going to have the responsibility of caring for family. Their mothers, usually... Um, you know, maybe it's a sibling or some um, nephews or nieces. Some there is going to be an obligation outside of their home, right? And so that's really important to talk about, right? So if you bring in X amount of dollars and you're not telling your partner, hey, by the way, fifteen percent of my income is going to be allocated to this, and then that becomes an issue, right? So you've got to talk about your priorities. So ha- have those um, money conversations. Have money conversations. Number one, talk very about early it. on. Also, talk about your debt. You can't be ashamed about that, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you have to because if you do get married, that debt yeah. becomes someone else's debt, right? And so it might not officially not be financially beneficial for you to get married. What and and, and what do you mean by that? If I come with a lot of debt, uh-huh. and you have good credit, and we want to buy a house. It might not be good for us because then we're going to both have to qualify for a house loan. I'm, I'm bringing all this debt, so I mean, there's just it, depending on what your financial goals are, right? Um, tax liability purposes. It, it might, you know, maybe I come with a child, maybe you don't, right? I mean, Either. there's all these little things that are nuances that will change the implications going forward. Um, you can still have a marriage. And power of attorney, for example, outside of marriage, you can buy a house together as a partnership agreement. Mm-hmm. So there, that this is what's great about the financial world. And as much as people like like to boo-hoo making money, it's not about making money. It's about using the infrastructure to our advantage. So what steps? Um, what steps should we take to pre- to protect our par- ourselves and our partners and and, and our, our family's financial security? So um, I think these are three three groups that I asked you about. So um, why don't we why don't we stick with uh, how, how do we protect ourselves and our and, and our and our and our families? So what what steps should we be taking right now? So I think one of the most important ones to do and start with yourself is take your own financial inventory. And okay. Yeah, like sit yeah. down with yourselves. Okay, right, what do I have? What are my bills? What are my credit cards? What's my debt to income ratio? What's my net worth? Do that one. That's a reality check. That's a reality check. And that will tell you whether or not you can, it, it you can protect a partner. Exactly. Right. You, right. You might need to start with yourself. You might need to start uh-huh. with yourself. Um, and then the next level is your family. You need to have the money conversations with your family. Right? Do they expect you to take care of them? Do they have 
things that you don't know about? Do they need to be assets, but they also might have obligations? Um, who's got the documents and the deeds to a house that's maybe a family house? Are you going to have to have issues with your brothers and sisters? Right, so having the family conversation right after you have your own. Again, don't fear it. It's probably not going to be a beautiful picture. But knowing is that first step. Knowing is the first step because, you know, lives can be messy sometimes. That does not mean that you I cannot find you. love. And financial lives are super messy. messy. But it's, it's just having clarity so you're, like, going in. So that way you're not embarrassed. I'll tell you one, you know, especially with um, weddings. Now, I know that, you know, generally we don't have these ridiculously expensive weddings oh, as, yeah. in the queer community, but you may. You may. You, you may. may. You may have a daughter. You may have to put, throw out some money for that quinceañera. Which, that's a whole, <laughs> that's that's a whole other conversation. conversation right? But absolutely. So, you know, I, I've seen this so many times in the Latino community generally where people are putting, you know, $100,000 into a wedding and then they can't, then they don't have the money for a down payment on a house. I've that, seen that. that. I mean, that mm-hmm. is, right? And Or they've spent $100,000 on a wedding and a year later they get a divorce. That is a very expensive experience. That's a very expensive, uh, um, maybe a dating, <laughs> dating year that you've had with this person. The it's terrible a, investment. The terrible investment. And that goes back to um, Latino lesbians and dating. We, we need to have these conversations and then take our time before forming these partnerships instead of jumping right. jumping right into these, these partnerships and sealing the deal. Have these conversations and talk about it. Right. Right, we have the right to be married now, so it's mm-hmm. we don't have to jump into it. But we're also getting a divorce, and right. twice as likely than <laughs> right. the, the, the gay men, according to some, according to some studies. That's right. So, um, what would you like to see Latina lesbians do um, as a community to build and protect their wealth? Is is there something that we we can do as a community? Is it, yeah, I, I know there's so many things, and I think. Um, one is being conscious about where we spend our money. Oh, I want to bring that up, like okay. just in terms of supporting each other um, and supporting women-owned, Latina-owned businesses generally. So starting there, um, thinking about where we spend our money on vacations or in certain clubs, or you know, and I think that's one because I'd like to see more businesses, more services um, that we're able to. Um, to run into, you know, I mean, we've got a very, we've got a rich community. We, we really do have do. a rich community. We really do. And to, but to have that, we need to come out. We need to be out and open. So, and how do I know that this is a lesbian-owned business if, if the owner has not not come out? And and, and coming out is going to be a whole different topic that we're we're going to talk about. It's a very very challenging situation for for uh, many Latinas. But they, they do need to be able to come out so that we, we under, understand where and with who we're investing our money. Right. That's right. And I think it's about, look, you know, there's various levels of coming out, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but in the sense of being visible, I think that is it's really key. And whether that's being visible as a supporter, an ally, or sort of, you know, the ability to say, hey, by the way, um, this is who's behind this business, mm-hmm. and this is why you should support it. Right, and I think that's really important. I want us to also think more collaboratively. I think that one of the things that I see still in the Latino community is that there's not as much cross collaboration and support of each other in our businesses and on our endeavors mm-hmm. that I, as I like to see. And this is across the board, um, you know, in tech, in in corporate law, and we're ju- we haven't quite 
been able to say there's enough for everyone. And so we need to start supporting each other in this. Right, and, and, and it goes back to this teacher that my mom tells me, and I, I think I've shared with you is that El Sol Sale Para Todos, the sun shines for everybody. And as a community, we need to understand that there's enough for everybody. And when we collaborate with uh, other Latina, uh, Latina, Latino-owned businesses, uh, Latina, um, lesbian-owned businesses, that there's enough for everybody. And, and, and we might be making more money if we do that. If oh, this is a trillion-dollar mm -hmm. industry. Just mm -hmm. generally, um, between black and brown people, we have a trillion dollars in buying power. But we don't own the wealth. Right, so we spend that into companies that we don't know. Um, to to your point, um, there there's there's so many ways that we can be collaborating um, that would I think uplift all of us. We know for a fact that we are very good at organizing, right? I mean, if right. we look at sort of movement building in this country and organizing, we have been at the forefront of of all of these very important political conversations. We know how to do that, but what we don't do is we don't get as outraged about things when it comes to financial security or inequality in this country, right? And so I think that's what I'd also like to see on the agenda is a lot more of, around sort of, for example, there should be outreach that Latinas make 54 cents on the dollar. We make the least amount of money than any woman of color. And um, I don't feel the anger around this issue. I feel the, uh, the sadness that we're... We're bothered about it. We're ir irritable about it, but we're not. We're not angry. We're not angry, angry. like we are with issues around immigration, for example. Um, and while immigration is clearly a super important um, topic, even if you are an immigrant and you become a citizen, my parents, like I said, we're third generation. We have third, three generations of poverty. They're the first to go to college in their family. So, citizenship does not grant you a middle-class pass, yeah. and I think that's yeah. really important. The, the, the system isn't built for that, so we need, to be, we need to be fighting for sort of this last wave of rights, which is community, economic, human rights. And so, so how, do we, how do we get that, um, not that message out, but uh, do, we do, do we focus on education, building jobs, financial literacy for, for specific, specifically the Latina, lesbian, and, and, and queer community, or? Yeah, I mean, I think it's all of those. I mean, we all have a part, right? This podcast is a part of this. It's, I mean, it's creating or, or sort of inserting our voice into all of those sectors, right? The nonprofit leaders can be doing really good work there. I'm in the tech space and, and hoping to get, you know, more conversations around money and financial security. You're clearly in, in the sort of the media and communication space and mental health. And so I think it's just more of us talking about it, about it and being more intentional about it. Right. And this is, this is one of the, the missions of, of this podcast is to increase visi visibility and empower uh, Latina, lesbian, and queer, queer women to um, have this information, to have, this, uh, to have, the, have these conversations and talk about these topics that are very important to, mm -hmm. to, to our community. So um, are there any um, last thoughts or, or comments that you'd like to share about how we can um, help Latina, lesbian, and queer women protect their wealth or, 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 or build wealth? Don't be afraid to ask questions. I think that's really key, right? Um, no shame in the money game. Like, 
Yeah. And sometimes we have we have the shame talking about money. Yeah. I mean, that's everyone, but I think in particular, too, we have a, a sort of a different level of shame. And, um, so I think the, that's really key, right, is that um, being visible, having the, these conversations, asking questions, um, being being intentional, I think that's really key, right? It's, it, it's sort of like being conscious of it, but being intentional, saying, I'm going to do something about it. I'm going to go to My Money, My Future and open up a free account right. and support this this business that I know is supporting Latino lesbians, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think those are things I'm going to download this podcast and listen to it and support them. Um, and I'm going to take that inventory, right, that financial inventory for myself and, and sort of take a look at what I've got so I have um, a sense of empowerment, right? Yeah, and I, and I love that suggestion that you made about having a money date. Have a money date. Yeah. Talk about money. Talk about what money me- meant to your family, what money means to you now, and what you want to see money mean to you in the future. And have that conversation with your potential partner so that you, if you're not on the same page, you might, you might come up with a plan where both of your ideologies can, can, can be combined and, and you for, form a family. Because ultimately, we want to get married we want to have a, we, a lot of us want to get married. A lot of us want to have a family, and a lot of us want to stay within our within our own communities. Absolutely, and that's I mean that exact, that's always been the goal, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, everybody just wants the ability to be with. That's yeah. always been the goal. Um, and to the extent that we have now the tools and resources, though, to make it even better, and I think that's what's key. We actually have the ability to move the needle and and change our futures. Um, so I, you know, hope all of us can do our part in supporting that. Well, I, I want to thank you for, for, for being a guest on our, uh, on our podcast today, Ramona. Absolutely. All the information that you've talked about. You have, I, I know you have a lot more. and We are going to continue having these conversations about different topics, um, building, building wealth and, and financial, secure, financial security. We're going to talk about a couple of uh, legal topics in the future, too. Let's talk about entrepreneurship, too. Oh, entrepreneurship, yeah. We'll yeah because we, we all have our little negocios, <laughs> our little businesses. We, we need to have that conversation. Absolutely. Um, Thank you. Thank you, Ramona. So before we go, let's summarize three tips discussed in this episode. Number one, take a financial inventory of your life so that you know where you stand and what you bring into a relationship. Two, have money conversations with your family or money dates with your partner. Ask her about her credit score and what that means to her. Three, support Latina lesbian-owned businesses and be open to collaboration. My mom always says, el sol sale para todos, meaning that there is enough for everyone and collaboration brings in more business than just working in a silo. Your host Veronica and I want to thank you for listening to the Latina Lesbi Ike podcast. Continue to listen to us as we dive into the lives of Latina lesbian, bisexual, and queer mujeres. Please subscribe to our podcast so that we can build a strong online Latinx LGBT presence and visit us at our website www.latinalesbipodcast.com. You can find the link on our website or in the notes section of this episode. Let us know what you think by sending us an email at latinabylesbian at gmail.com. Hasta pronto, amigas. Thank you.